0: Great to meet you guys, too. I've been listening for a while, so this is kind of a dream come true to just talk to you guys, to be quite honest.
1: (laughs) Oh, wow. I wouldn't say dream come true, but, you know, it's something coming true. (laughs) (laughs) You can't run away from it. NFTs have now become the buzzword of 2022 non-fungible tokens, or better known as NFTs, that was a prediction of mine I had at the end of 2021. But more so, I was looking into that as a part of 2023. I didn't really think they would catch on this quickly and be adopted by so many in the whiskey industry. But now we are seeing the largest brands dip their toes in the water. So do you understand what all this means? Well, our guest today, Zach Weekland, he's not only a brewer and a distiller, but he's also been dabbling in crypto for a few years. And he runs a site called liquidcraft.io. We talk at the very lowest level about what is an NFT and how that relates to bottle sales and trading. And the biggest reason that we can see as to why NFTs and bourbon make sense is from an allocated bourbon perspective, because it may just legitimize the secondary market. But we dive into more experience-based NFTs that could be useful for distilleries. And what could happen if this scales to tens or hundreds of thousands of bottles that go into an NFT marketplace? With that, enjoy this week's episode, And now here's Fred Minnick with Above the Char.
2: I'm Fred Minnick, and this is Above the Char. This week's idea comes from Joe Hungryman. Hungryman's his nickname, of course. I won't say his last name because he is an officer in the U.S. military. So thank you for your service there, Hungryman. Appreciate it. Uh, he writes, I'm an officer getting ready to retire and been looking at some internship programs that allow military personnel to spend their last six months of active duty service as interns in companies associated with the program. And he's been in disbelief that there were no alcohol companies that he could get involved with. Now, let me tell you, Joe, you have just stepped into a big old fat, juicy situation. That is how the United States of America views alcohol. You have to understand that a large percentage of this country still does not drink. And even if they do drink, they don't necessarily think of this as a career or anything positive for society. We still have dry counties all over the country. And there are people who are attempting uh, advertising bans and health-related labeling, like saying like drinking whiskey causes cancer Things like that. That is what's ongoing in this country. And it's been like that since the end of Prohibition in 1933. With that said, a lot of these organizations that create career days block alcohol companies because they see it as bad or negative. And uh, I'm not very familiar with the one that you mentioned, but I do know that Brown Foreman has programs for the military, people who are coming out of the military, they recruit veterans. So I do know that there are distilling companies that are in pursuit of, you know, former active duty talents. You know, the question is, is like, why isn't that program allowing them? And I would say, take it right to those officials of that respective program. But what you are what you are looking at is the same reason why I would never be asked to come speak to my kids' class about what I do for a living because people don't want someone talking about alcohol in um in a place where people can be very influenced. And everybody the fact is, military, we would all everybody gets out of the military. They would all go line up and work for a beer or whiskey company if they could for the most part. I I bet you anything, they're just blocking it. They're they're not allowing it. So I think uh you've got a little uh a little homework there, Hungry Man. Go check for yourself and then let me know what the situation is. But I would definitely press that issue. Don't think for a second that there are companies out there that don't want your talents. Uh, that is not the case at all. And Brown Foreman is a heavy, heavy, heavy hitter in hiring veterans. So is Diageo. So most of these companies are very veteran friendly. So, but that's going to do it for this week's Above the Char. Hey, if you want to be like Joe, a Hungry Man, hit me up on fredminnick.com. That's fredminnick.com hit the contact button and send me your idea. If I like it, I'll read it on the air. Until next week, cheers.
1: You can order online at Sealbox or theBourbonConcierge.com, and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits, and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at home old fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom made syrup with notes of bold black tea Welcome back. It's another episode of Bourbon Pursuit, the official podcast of Bourbon. Kenny and Ryan here tonight talking about one of Ryan's new favorite subjects. Or maybe maybe it's something that we're all trying to get schooled on a little bit more. And that's talking about NFTs or non-fungible, or non-fungible tokens. Ryan, have you been doing a lot of research on this? what i don't even how's it my favorite subject i don't even know what that is (laughs) i know i had to i had to put a little thing out there i mean for me i'm excited about it i mean we've been talking about this on this week in bourbon now for quite a long time because we're starting to see a lot of different distilleries mostly high-end scotches you see barrel swaps that are done through this and we are trying to understand how this (laughs) <laughs> it's funny. It's like you talk about this, and we're like, "Oh, where's it? Where how's it all take place?" And I'm like, "Oh, don't worry. It's on the blockchain. Don't worry about it." <laughs> it's it's like one of those yeah, things. It's like that-
3: this blockchain's like so okay. Everything's okay as long as I'm blockchain. <laughs> I know. I'm just excited to learn about the bare basics, bare bones. I've tried to research it, and I sort of understand it. I can wrap my head around like cryptocurrencies and like you know the fungible <laughs> asset of it. I guess this being non fungible kind of throws me for a loop, and so. uh I'm still trying to like wrap my head around the whole idea of this. So I'm I'm really excited just to learn from a pure novice standpoint. It's, I'm pure idiot on this. So this is hopefully we can get the idiot's guide to NFTs
1: on this. You know, <laughs> and then somehow tie it all into bourbon. Yeah, I, I will have to give him a shout out. There's another podcast out there. It's called NFT for Newbies. And I did listen to a few episodes of that just because it was one of those things that I I listened to Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk. And he's been on this whole kick now for uh, gosh, probably a, a few months. And sometimes he can predict the future. And he really sees NFTs as being the future of what a lot of things will live on. And now it didn't take that long. One of our predictions of 2022 was maybe we'll see NFTs start making something of it. I was like, nah, it won't be mainstream until 2023. But it wasn't that long into 2022. And you started seeing a lot of people start really hopping on this train. So this is going to be a I don't think it's going to be a fad, but it's definitely going to be a a new technology that people are going to start paying attention to because there's going to be a, a lot of things that can be built behind it. But hopefully our guests will give us a little bit of that insight today. Yeah, because we can't. you <laughs> know, we cannot. <laughs> we cannot. So today on the show, we have Zach Weekland. Zach is, uh, he's got a, his hand in a few different places. So he's a brewer at High House Brewery. He's also head distiller at the Heart Distillery, but. The main reason we're talking tonight is because he's also the CEO of liquidcraft.io. So Zach, welcome to the show.
0: Hey, thanks for having me.
1: Just in his free time, he's a CEO, you know.
3: <laughs> after, <laughs> after after brewing and distilling, you know, we're a podcaster. He's a CEO. I love it's
0: it. It's just a fancy title, really. It, it hey, if if it makes people pay
1: attention to you, then then that's okay. But I kind of want to talk about so you have a, a history in the spirit space. So talk first about how you got into that and then we'll kind of talk and how you started diving into crypto.
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, So my family actually runs a garden center here in Colorado. We started a brewery and then started a distillery because our roots are kind of in agriculture. Started with distillery because we can actually grow what we can produce here. A lot of botanicals can go into different spirits in small amounts. So we're really small niche botanical oriented distillery. That and in addition to we focus on a lot of bourbon and whiskey because we can actually use a lot of the local woods that we find in our forest, such as Aspen, as I know another really good distillery, 291, does with theirs as well. And so really, distilling has been a passion of mine for a long time. Started college kind of in uh, biology and chemistry. And so that's kind of where my roots are. And distilling is really my passion with with the basis of agriculture.
1: Are you one of those people that had a still in your backyard and you just had it for giggles to just learn on? Because it, it seems that way. That's been a common thread we find amongst some some distillers out there.
0: Oh, 100%. Uh, me and my roommates <laughs> had, it in our, okay. had it in our garage, right? <laughs> yeah. Sweet sweet feed whiskey was was our choice. And it was like, why are we doing this to ourselves? And it finally evolved into something a little bit better.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like an actual legit operation, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: So you've been in the the distilling side for a little bit. Uh, first, talk about some of your products. I kind of want people to know if they've never heard of the Heart Distillery, like what what products you offer, where they can find them and stuff like that.
0: Sure. I mean, we're real local here in just mainly Colorado. We self-distribute everything. We have a bourbon that I'm super duper proud of. We, we sell it only in cask strength because of the volume that we have. I age it in five gallon barrels, uh, age it for two years so I can call it a straight bourbon. It really takes on some really nice flavors after about 16 months, but it really matures well after two years. So about 24, 25 months, I I bottle it. And then I guess the thing that really put us up and over everything else was our gin. Our first year, we entered in the ADI, American Distilling Institute's competition, and got best of class. Uh, We also grow wormwood for our absinthe. Wait a minute. Isn't that the stuff that was supposed to be illegal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was actually legalized in I think 2007, which there was a distillery that reached out to the greenhouse here that we grow everything at and they said, "Hey, will you grow our our uh, wormwood for us?" And we said, "Absolutely." And that's actually that's actually the the distillery that we partner with and we distill the the absinthe and that's Trinity Absinthe.
1: All right. So, is there anything true about does wormwood actually make you hallucinate? Is it or is it just <laughs> like is that just all kind of like fiction?
0: no there's a there's a compound in there that actually makes you hallucinate it's called thujone and here in colorado ours is really high uh, so what we have to do is make a concentrate with it so we make a distillation and and a concentrate so that i can actually measure how much thujone is actually in the absinthe, so that we don't make people actually see green fairies
1: Mm. sprinkling some psilocybin in there too (laughs) I mean, is that, is that a thing that you have to sort of dial it back because there's a legal amount of, that, that can actually go in there so you don't
0: hallucinate? Yeah, you got it. Exactly. It's pretty regulated. Uh, you send it in for samples to the TTB and they, they make sure that it's not going to do that to you. But I don't, I, I'm not 100% sure with all the laws and, and the localities in Europe where it was traditionally made, but maybe, maybe there's some higher concentration of thujones, and that's maybe where the, the myths come, came from.
3: Is the Wormwood native to Colorado, or does it just grow really well there?
0: No, it just grows really well here. It's actually an invasive, so we have to control it really well. (laughs) (laughs) Gotcha. All
1: right. So mark your calendars now. I'm going to put my name on the stake here that the Heart Distiller will come out with the first bourbon infused with Wormwood product here in the next few years. I'm going to just go ahead and put it out there. (laughs) Plus THC.
3: That'd be pretty sweet. (laughs) Plus THC. A little bit of everything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because some distilleries are starting to ramp up in Colorado for that,
0: right? Uh, you know, putting THC into another controlled substance is is kind of the big hurdle for everybody. I don't think that that will be anywhere close to soon. It's like putting alcohol and THC together. It's uh, it would be awesome, uh, but I don't think it <laughs> TTB is going to go for that anytime soon. We make hemp beer and everything like that here at, here at the brewery, but uh, that that's THC free. Does it still
3: contain like the CBD or something like uh, for the relaxing effect or?
0: No, it it doesn't. I, I, we could, we could infuse CBD into some beer, which people have done that, but we haven't jumped on that bandwagon yet.
1: I'm going to, I guess Ryan's going to take this over and have all kinds of THC and CBD talks here. Yeah. <laughs> shoot,
0: yeah. Uh, yeah. We, we do have a greenhouse, so I mean, you I'm just fascinated by it all. There.
1: <laughs> I'm fascinated.
3: It's like, all right, you're going to combine the two. It's like, all right, what's the dosage? You know, is it like one ounce <laughs> is, uh, you know, two ounces is, uh, five milligrams or, you know, it's like. How do they know? I don't know. It's it's interesting <laughs> to see how it all works Chemistry, out. Chemistry,
0: man. Science. I know.
1: <laughs> exactly. A few beakers here and some test tubes. We'll figure it out. Yep. <laughs> so the other reason that we kind of want to talk now, of course, is to kind of talk about your venture into NFT. So kind of talk about how you got into the crypto side of things and then how you started learning about NFTs. And before we start getting into, after we get into that, I, I will, we'll start at the beginning for people to explain Like, what even an FT even
0: is? (laughs) The ins and the outs. Back in 2017, I started doing just the normal trading with cryptocurrencies, like, you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum, all the namesake ones that you all are very familiar with. So I invested a little bit in that. And then I don't know if you guys are too familiar with, but the big bear market between 2018 and now came along. And really, there wasn't a whole lot of progress made. I was trying to figure a way out to how to implement cryptocurrencies and our current business. And there wasn't really a whole lot of information or technology available, you know, because the most simple form would be, we accept Bitcoin for our beer or, or our bourbon, right? That's, that's as simple as you can go. But everybody's heard that story of the guy who bought a pizza with Bitcoin. And now that pizza's like $20, pizza is like $20,000 pizza that he spent, right?
3: <laughs> why, did, why did you want to do that for your business? Why did you want to, I guess, start offering or accepting the, the crypto?
0: Oh, because all the possibilities of cryptocurrencies just kind of get me really excited. You don't have to pay Visa or
1: MasterCard or American Express exchange fees. There's a lot, a lot of things that go on with it.
0: Yeah, there's some processing fees that, that kind of suck with the traditional model right now. But I mean, eventually there will be just the same processing fees for cryptocurrency. Eventually, you know, I mean, you look at Visa, they're, they're getting in on cryptocurrencies right now. and So it's just another, another avenue of, of bringing in some money. Essentially,
1: for people that have it, that's for sure. Okay, so you started getting into it. Let's let's explain to people first what is an NFT because I know that there's probably people out there that have googled it and their eyes glaze over. So let's try to try to dumb it down for the basics of people out there and, and for people like us that are still trying to trying to learn as well.
0: Sure, I mean we were, we were all there when and, and as soon as you start to research it a little it's like a gateway drug You're like oh there's a lot of possibilities there but uh yeah so let's just start with like a, a bitcoin so one bitcoin is always going to be the same as another bitcoin so we got our our fungible tokens right that are bitcoin ethereum one is not unique from another then we have nfts where each token is unique in and of itself all right so like one dollar is equal to one dollar and and that's it right But if you take a, let's say, one painting from one of your favorite artists and another painting from that same artist, each painting is different. So you could almost say that each one is non-fungible, whereas each dollar is fungible. An NFT and also cryptocurrencies are both located on the blockchain. Blockchain is just a technology that's more or less a ledger, right? It it takes control of, it, it writes down everything, every transaction amount that is found in each personal wallet and i might already be getting ahead of myself there by saying wallet no it's okay sure. keep going that's all right cool each wallet is unique to each person or each i guess not necessarily unique to each person but each wallet is tracked on that ledger so an nft they started blowing up in last last january i'm sure that you guys saw some of the news articles saying that Beeple sold a $69 million NFT. That's just some artwork, right? It's an NFT that represents that artwork. And that artwork will always be attached to that NFT. So it's kind of like a digital representation, right? A digital certificate, if you will.
3: So I'm trying to wrap my head around that. So like, is the artwork replacing like a dollar bill per se?
0: It's not replacing it by any means. You can use the dollar bill to buy an NFT. Just like you could use the dollar bill to buy a painting, right? You can use a Bitcoin, a currency, to buy a NFT, or Bitcoin to buy a painting. You can think of the NFT as just like a unique individual set of numbers, right? And then we can use that that set of numbers to attach to any sort of of things. And right now, the main cause is like JPEGs.
1: Yeah. I I think that's one of the the things that we've seen most in the NFT world, and this is one thing that I'm still trying to wrap my head around, is people that are paying for a JPEG or a GIF or a JIF or anything that's a a, a picture on the internet is what... I I still don't understand why (laughs) an ape smoking a blunt is worth (laughs) $78,000. That just blows my mind. Totally. Okay, so I'm glad we're on the same page there. But for some reason you know, you can screenshot it. You still own that picture, but there's something that says you don't actually own the picture because of whatever this sort of digital signature represents.
0: Correct. So you don't actually own the NFT portion. You own the picture. Uh, You can right-click and save any JPEG on on the internet for the most part, but you don't actually own the NFT. And then these NFTs, what people are doing is they're attaching it to memberships or exclusive rights. And so then on the blockchain, you can use that nft to grant you access to say special sales or even ways to make more money. So with like the Board Ape Yacht Club, I'm sure that you guys have seen seen that cuz right now they're selling for $200,000 and I have not seen that. I- explain it real quick. Sure, so there's 10,000 unique Board Ape Yacht Club NFTs that came out, all right? And at the time of mint, meaning when people were able to buy the NFTs, they they sold for, I can't remember exactly how much, but it was like 0.7 ETH Ethereum. Let's, let's say that's about $300 for this NFT that is represented by this JPEG of a ape that has different attire. And s- slowly and surely each one of those is now worth something like $150,000. Now that's because it gives you access to all kinds of cool things. And such as I think uh, access to this yacht, somewhere in the world. And I can't remember where, but mainly it's like an exclusive club, right? There's a lot of celebrities that are buying into Board Ape Yacht Club that then once you can prove that you have a Board Ape Yacht Club NFT, then all these other people are like, Hey man, you're, you're like one of us. I mean, I'm sure you guys have seen Wolf of Wall Street and the one of us, one of us. It, is, <laughs> it, it literally goes hand in hand with that. It's, it's like this crazy club and that's that's what people are mostly buying these really expensive NFTs for. A lot of people start jumping into the utility of them and that that's what they're talking about the utility like what does buying this NFT get me? A lot of projects came out and what they were doing was just doing a picture. And then people are thinking, oh, I can buy that. That's a bunch of newbies that don't know what we're doing or what what they're doing. And I, essentially, I was I was part of that. I bought a bunch of ones that are going to be worth nothing because I was thinking, oh, this will be really cool. I can make a bunch of money off this. But the truth is, you got to look for the NFTs that are actually going to be have utility. Does that kind of make sense? I kind of probably jumped way ahead of myself there.
1: <laughs> no, it is. Uh, no, you make sense. I mean, because right now, I think you, you you said it right. There's this sort of this gold rush that's out there in regards of people that are thinking they're going to get in the market and they're just going to flip stuff. And I I listen to a few people that are out there and they say, yeah, it feels like there's people rushing into it, but there's going to be some dark days ahead because of this, because of a a flooded market where anybody that thinks they can just create some digital art and it's going to be worth something, but that's not the reality of where it's going to be in the future.
0: No, exactly. 99% of these projects, 99% of these NFTs are probably not going to be worth anything. Again, I might be getting ahead of myself here, but that's kind of where I thought of Liquid Craft. So because I was I was excited to actually bring real real life assets to the NFT space. So hold, hold on. Let's back up
3: a little bit. Right. Back <laughs> up. Never mind. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute here. All right. I'm not the sharpest hole in the shed, so 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 you got this piece of artwork, okay, that's worth this much crypto or whatever say I buy it for 60, whatever you said, say it's $60,000. Does that mean like I have the rights to resell that digital piece of art like just that one time or can I like scale it and sell it multiple times? Or is it just like a one-time kind of token thing? I don't know.
0: Yeah, so it'd be like one-time thing because again, think of it as like a, a piece of artwork. You can only sell that one, that picture once. There are other ways to, let's say, fractionalize that NFT, but that's getting ahead of ourselves a little bit there.
1: <laughs> no, I think talk about it because I, th- I think that's one thing that Ryan's Ryan's trying to get at is because we've also heard the other idea that you could sell you could sell something one time as like the artist and basically get a some sort of reoccurring revenue every single time after it's traded after that or something. Yeah, because I can wrap my head around
3: like that aspect. Like, okay, I'm paying sixty thousand for this graphic, whatever JPEG. But I can. It gives me the ability to scale it and sell it, you know, multiple times in the the metaverse or whatever in the future. But like just just treating it like a one piece of art, like I I just can't wrap my head around that. I'm trying to. I'm trying to get there. Maybe I need some wormwood.
0: I, <laughs> <laughs> I think the person who decided to, like came up with this was probably drinking too much absinthe. To be honest, it was like whoa. What yeah. if? Um. So the artist that comes up with the NFT and and mints it minting is ma- making the nft okay so whoever mints an nft can actually claim royalties on that so they sell it to you and then they get that obviously the the full chunk there then you sell it to the next person and between that sale the artist then gets a kickback on royalties for that all right you as the as the purchaser and then reseller you don't get any royalties Unless there there are some some projects that are throwing into like a secondary royalty, but those are far and few between and I I don't see those lasting, but that's just speculation. And then in addition to that, let's say there's a group of people that want to buy a (laughs) board ape yacht club, NFT, you know, two hundred thousand dollars. Hell, no not not many people have that much kind of money to throw around. So what you can do is you can offer it and try to come together as a group and fractionalize it and come up with like say shares of that of that nft it's
1: like a timeshare for a yacht club now is what it's <laughs> falling down to
0: <laughs> you know i don't know how that works completely with like the utility as far as getting into that that exclusive yacht but uh yeah then you at least own the ownership of some of that board board ape yacht club nft and you have that value locked in there and if it goes up then you also uh, benefit from that so, does that kind of answer your question? I was kind of all over the place.
3: <laughs> no, totally. Rad. Yeah it's, yeah, it's starting to make sense. It's, instead of a plastic wristband, you have an NFT <laughs> to get you on the boat. S-
0: see, dude? Yeah. And see, that's another another point. There's a lot of uh, memberships that NFTs are actually going to be bringing utility to. Uh, I was just talking about, actually, with my sister, who is our chief operating officer at, at Liquid Craft. I was saying, well, why don't we, we talk to some uh, bourbon clubs and... And ask if they want to mint an NFT that creates a membership for them, right? And then the membership is kind of a way to br- keep bringing in money in perpetuity with that, those royalties. So th- there's all kinds of memberships and events that NFTs can bring utility to, and and it's you can't fake it. It's it's on the blockchain, so there's like there's no way of, ch- of faking this. That's what the beauty is. There's no counterfeiting. And then let's say for for like music industry, it, it's beautiful for the music industry because. As you know, scalping tickets is a pain in the ass. So these artists, they get paid per ticket sometimes, or there's different ways to write it up. But uh, let's say the artists sell out 100 tickets, and then on the secondary market, they're selling for three times that. Well, shit, the art artists could have made that, you know, instead of these other people that are buying this in just for a profit. Now on the secondary market, they get a royalty off that with the NFTs.
1: Okay. Now we see where the, the bourbon thing going. So I want to I roll this thing back now. So let's, let's talk about how you're taking this, this concept and applying it to bourbon as a part of liquid craft. So talk about how these worlds are marrying together. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus Magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon. The farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S dot com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it uh, a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And you can get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com bourbon. All lowercase and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. I want to roll this thing back now. So let's let's talk about how you're taking this this concept and applying it to bourbon as a part of liquid craft. So talk about how these worlds are marrying together.
0: Sure. So again, I'll kind of go back to where, where I started. Back in January, the NFTs were, were blowing up. And uh, again, I wanted to bring my businesses into the world of crypto and blockchain. I saw these, these pieces of artwork selling and, and it was on, on the blockchain as NFTs. And I thought, well, shoot, you know what? The bottle of bourbon that I make is a piece of artwork. The, the barrel behind me is a piece of artwork. Why can't I attach those to NFTs? did a bunch of research and trying to figure it out. And uh, it actually would solve that. And it would solve, as I was mentioning in the music industry, kind of the secondary market portion. As a a distillery, I'm striving to get a collector's series, right? I want to make this rare 400 bottles that are are sought after and everybody wants to collect. But that also comes with a double-edged sword because then you create this weird secondary market situation So anyways, let me regress a little bit here. (laughs) So yeah, Liquid Craft, uh, we came up with the idea of connecting distilleries, wineries, and breweries products, such as bottles and casks, to NFTs. We thought of it primarily for our business to start with, but then we realized that a lot of distilleries, wineries, and breweries, whom we're calling crafters, would actually benefit from this and would be very interested in this. So we attended the American Distilling Institute's conference back in August in Kentucky as a as a vendor to gauge the interest on it. And surprisingly, there was a lot of interest. Uh, most people didn't know anything about cryptocurrencies, but that didn't stop them from being really interested and in, in wanting to sign up right then and there when we talked about the possibilities of becoming to like a global audience and solving the secondary market and so, it was really, really exciting to see that.
1: So, I kind of want to think about, and let's just take, you know, your product for example, because you, you, you did something already where you minted, I think, a couple hundred bottles on the blockchain for your particular offering. Is that is that correct?
0: Yeah. So, our initial series was kind of a a trial run, and then also a way to raise funds for this whole project, being the Liquid Craft. Yeah, we came up with fifteen hundred NFTs that represent fifteen hundred bottles in two different tiers. One tier being on the Ethereum blockchain, and then the second tier being on the Binance Smart Chain blockchain. When I say blockchain, there's different chains and different networks, and some networks have more liquidity, but are also come with a higher transaction fee, such as the Ethereum blockchain. The goal of LiquidCraft was to kind of bring everyday joe to to the collector's spirits wine and beer right most most of the time like i'm, I'm taking myself for example i want to go buy that bottle of McAllen, but i can't afford ten thousand dollars so i i just don't do it there's a thousands of amazing crafters around the world that create some of the best pieces of art and liquid you'll ever taste that will never be seen by the world. And so this gets them the ability to kind of get out into the world and have those collector series that we're talking about. And, and then also brings the everyday collector the ability to afford some of these really rare bottles that you would never be able to be exposed to beforehand. So kind of the, the end goal for LiquidCraft is to become a marketplace, an NFT marketplace that... Again, crafters can mint an NFT, then sell it, and then keep advertising and get more secondary sales on those NFTs. Does that kind of make sense?
1: Oh yeah. We're we're definitely going to hit the secondary thing here in a little bit, but I want to kind of hit something before we start getting into sort of secondary sales and stuff like that. So let's say Ryan goes and he he buys an NFT that's equal to one of your bottles. How does it work? Do you get a uh, an email that says, "Here's your <laughs> blockchain certificate." Do you ship a bottle? Like, how how does that all that all work?
0: Sure. So, Liquid Craft is going to kind of br- give the power to the crafters in the sense that they will come up with a plan. But the plan essentially is, you buy an NFT. That NFT is only stored at the supplier's location or a Liquid Craft approved location until the NFT is turned in. And then that bottle is either shipped to you or you pick it up depending on the crafter's ability to distribute. I'm working with a bunch of different partners in the distribution world to kind of bring them the ability to ship their product so that LiquidCraft can offer the help to ship products to X, Y, and Z country or states, obviously working with different local laws and everything. This has been kind of a huge task in the sense that we have to make sure that every crafter is who they are and who they say they are and what they have, such as, do they have a liquor license? It's not just Tom in the backyard making moonshine selling an NFT, right? So we're verifying that. We have a a second party or a third party, another person, <laughs> another com- <laughs> another company <laughs> that is helping us out, BSC, that will be doing a verification in 193 different countries. And so that way we can make sure that, and that'll be a physical verification so they actually t- show up on site to make sure that these crafters aren't actually doing any kind of child labor laws or and they actually have the liquor license they say they have so is that
3: particular nft follow that bottle i guess if i want to sell that nft the bottle comes with it or like is the nft worthless after i
1: drink the bottle you know, no, percent, no, no. So or, Ryan, the the, the point, I'll, I'll try to regurgitate this because I think I understood this part, is that the bottle stays at the supplier. So the bottle never actually leaves the 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 warehouse. As an owner of the NFT, you can trade that NFT or sell the NFT to somebody else. And the digital asset, basically, you have a dotted line back to that bottle that still lives within inside the warehouse. That bottle doesn't actually live the warehouse until you want to go and turn in that NFT. And that NFT becomes worthless after that, after you get the bottle in hand. Zach, is that, is that right?
0: Mostly. Till the very end when you're talking about the NFT becoming worthless or, or being destroyed. Uh, there'll be different ways to do, go about doing that. Just like an empty bottle of, of your favorite bourbon that you had, that NFT can stay, stay in existence in perpetuity.
1: Oh gosh, here's a can of worms. Let's go, let's, let's hear this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so the NFT will have a, a little tracker in their metadata, meaning just so, something saying, all right, it's been turned in or it hasn't. Essentially saying this bottle is in existence or this bottle is not in existence anymore. So that way you can continue to keep that NFT or not, depending on the so craft.
1: Yeah. So there's something on there that basically says this bottle has been opened if you all of a sudden get this and you check it against whatever sort of database and there's liquid in the bottle, you can pretty well assume that it's refilled or fake at that point.
0: Right. Yeah. So you're spot on in the sense that the NFT and the physical bottle will be separate, like a dotted line and it'll, the bottle will always be at the supplier's location or a liquid craft approved location. And then if you ever want to retrieve that bottle, you turn in the NFT or you turn in the nft and they send it back to you in the sense that now it's been fulfilled. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah.
3: No, I think so. And but I guess can because the nft is fulfilled, is it no longer like you can't trade it anymore or sell it anymore?
0: You can still trade it but but, but probably the value has decreased and diminished because of the there's no real world asset such as the bottle of bourbon or the cask behind it.
3: Sure. I guess like if, say, if somebody has like a half bottle of Pappy just to be dumb and they're like, well, this NFT, I paid $1,000 for it. Now I'll sell it to you for like 200 because it's open or whatever. Could could something like that happen or...
0: Not Not on Liquid Craft. In theory or... In theory. uh, Yeah. I mean, just like any other secondary market portion, they could definitely, in theory, sell that half bottle of Pappy or whatever. But that would be outside of your marketplace is what right. you're saying. Yeah. Once it's been turned in on our marketplace it it can't be resold on the marketplace for an nft or anything like that then it goes goes into more of that traditional secondary market i like gotcha. it
3: so it kind of legitimizes you knowing you know that these valuable bottles
1: aren't counterfeit
0: yeah exactly that's one of the biggest things so i
1: guess the, the other thing to kind of talk about this and you talked about secondary sales and solving the secondary market do we look at this as as a way to legitimize it at this point, because that's always been one of the things is whether the, the secondary market's a good thing or whether it's a bad thing, the way that this is kind of looking is saying that I can't get in trouble for selling my bottle of bourbon because I don't actually physically own it. I just have a piece of paper or something that says I digitally own it, yet it lives in a warehouse somewhere else. So, Is that the whole idea of this, is that it basically just legitimizes everything that people have been for or against for the past? decade or whatever
0: I, I would say so i think it's a good because it also it, it it promotes the secondary market so as a collector i'm actually more incentivized to go ahead and do this because like you said it legitimizes it also it makes it so that the crafter remember distillery winery brewery that has made that will continue to promote that product because they're actually receiving royalties so they're going to continue to want to bring value to your investment
1: the other thing that kind of makes me scratch my head a little bit with it is... <laughs> all these things. I, so, well, yeah. And <laughs> I, I I, told you before we recorded, I was like, I'm going to try to poke holes in some things here just to try to figure out this this whole thing. So let's say this thing does blow up and it, it gets big. Well, uh, say I've got a thousand bottles that I have. We'll say I have in my my own bourbon collection, but we'll say I, I started a new bourbon collection that's all in the metaverse and I'm buying NFTs of every single one of them. Now I've got a thousand bottles. All these thousand bottles are... Sitting in some liquid craft warehouse, but I'm one person. There's a thousand more of me out there. Like at what point does this become a storage issue, and how do you bake that cost into it, or how do you take care of it?
0: Yeah, totally. Uh, it is a it's a big issue. That's one of the biggest issues we've had with talking to the different crafters and everything. And so our solution is there's actually a built in portion of the transaction fee goes back to the crafter for storage. And if it's stored at a liquid craft facility, like a liquid craft approved location, then that obviously goes to liquid craft to pay for the storage there. So there will be there'll be every transaction will essentially pay the crafter or liquid craft, depending on who's holding it, to store that.
1: But are you betting it at that point? Because we'll say we'll say I, I buy a bottle of Pappy Van Winkle and I'm able to get it for a thousand dollars or whatever instead of me actually selling it i'm just going to hold on to that nft for the next 10 years and then i'll turn it in and you don't make any money on the storage side is that is that a risk that like you're willing to take on it
0: yeah 100% uh, it's just like if i was to make a couple b- barrels of bourbon right how long do i have to store those before that i actually see any kind of anything come back to me on that right i i just made a bourbon today and i'm not going to see any profit from that for over 2 years at the best, right? So there's a gamble in it, absolutely. But I think that that's something that we're all familiar with in this industry. Yeah, patience.
1: Right? Yeah, <laughs> totally. You know?
0: And that's one of the big things is like connecting the crypto space to to the the collector space in the alcohol industry. We we need to have patience here as collectors and crypto people. My God, they have like ADD. Like it, it, it's it's <laughs> overnight. They need to flip it. And so that's been one of the big, big obstacles is kind of changing people's mindset is it's not going to be a cash grab, like all these other NFT projects. This is a a good store of value that that actually has a real world asset behind it.
3: Could you create NFTs for like, say, bottles that are already in existence, like Dusty's or stuff that hasn't been on the, you know, up to date with this? Is there any way to, I guess, bring those onto the blockchain and your local craft marketplace or something? Yeah. Like a vintage law.
0: Yeah, totally. So you, you look at, again, uh, different retailers at that point, right? What kind of re- retailers want to create an NFT that, of the bottle that they actually hold right now? And yeah, absolutely. They, c- they can do that just as long as they're verified by LiquidCraft on our platform, right? That doesn't mean to say that they can't go out and make their own NFT and and come up with their own website and mint NFTs that represent those those bottles, and then they come up with a storage method and that kind of thing. Th- this whole space is really fun and exciting. There's there's a few more projects that I, I I love collaborating and I love talking about everybody. I'm not in this to try to bring like serious publicity or or money to liquid craft. To be quite honest, I want to bring value to all the crafters out there. Like, because, like, like I said, my passion is making this stuff. I love to distill. It's it's my favorite thing in the world. The, this business stuff is really hard for me, <laughs> but I, I have, I'm having fun with crypto because it, it is something new and, and exciting, and I I see so much tremendous value in it.
1: I think one of the questions Ryan was probably trying to get at is as say as we'll say as a collector or a hobbyist or just Ryan and I, if we had if we have our own bottles that we have in our own collection that. Let's be honest, I'm sure many listeners out there too, there's bottles that you're probably never going to open because you realize there's too much value in them. Is there a, a, an avenue to be able to take those and mint them and then be able to sell them through this sort of legitimized means versus having to just go trade hands with somebody you met on a parking lot?
0: So the only way to do that would be to ship it to a, let's say, an auction house that already has the means to do that, right? Because it is legal for you to sell your bottle to an auction house and then they sell it, right? Oh, yeah. But I, I want to I turn this into an NFT. Is that, is that not a possibility? At this point, no. Not not with Liquid Craft, but obviously always looking for partners to be able to figure out how to do that. Because again, it's, it's the best way to tap the collectors. Because yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I want to be able to turn my my Willet bourbon into, a, uh, into an NFT and sell it on the secondary, maybe t- five, 10 years from now, but I want to have that option.
3: Heck yeah. So you can buy some GIFs, you know, and get that cash from Willie.
1: <laughs> get, some- get, get the JPEGs rolling in. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Cause I mean, I, I think about it and
1: you think of like a, an EH Taylor warehouse C tornado survivor. To be able to take a bottle like that and be able to turn it into an NFT that gets a little more visibility, that gives it a valid transaction versus having to just get on a Facebook form and hopefully somebody Venmos you $15,000 is a is I a risk cracker barrel parking lot <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly exactly you got the goods man there's there's some, <laughs> there's some risk there involved another point I kind of want to get at too is is when you talked about tying nFTs to sort of like these membership ideas and I kind of want to ask a, a little bit about that so i I'm trying to figure out where the value is in there when we get to something like uh the bourbon side. Are you all investigating something like that too?
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, you could go small as like a mug club at a brewery that an NFT represents, right? You get special perks for having this NFT, let's say half off pints, you go in there. And what the great thing about the membership there is instead of just a mug that you own, like traditional breweries have a lot of mug clubs or even like, I'm sure you guys are, like old Chicago had that, that hundred beers and anyways. Oh yeah. I remember that restaurant. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. And so, so this way you could actually sell your membership. Right, so it brings value to your membership, and you're not just throwing away fifty dollars or whatever it might be, and so that that membership is actually brings value to the user and the club or or brewery or whatever, whoever you're talking to, right?
3: So it's like is it's an appreciating asset for a membership. So I'm thinking like Valhalla Golf Club locally, they have a certain amount of memberships they sell, but like when someone goes to sell it, it's not just they lost their initial investment; it's like worth more, you know. Say they joined 10 years ago to now, um, it it gains in value and whatnot. Exactly. So, similar type thing.
0: Yep. Yeah, 100%. And then, same thing with like the bourbon. You know, you can always say, I'm going to sell these NFTs that represent this bourbon membership at this distillery. And every year, the owner of this NFT gets a Bottle or like a single barrel, you know, barreling from this a single barrel or something like that, right? There's so many possibilities with it that that makes it more exciting for the user than just a normal membership that you pay annual fees for.
1: Well, see, that's one thing I was going to try to poke another hole at here is that. So this is this is a lot of valid use cases for the user or the owner of the NFT, but as the producer or as the the person behind it all, wouldn't it make more sense to just sell? annual memberships and if that person doesn't renew they don't renew and then i just sell the membership to somebody else like I, i'm I'm trying to find the value or if you get a royalty on every one of them but is the but here's the thing is that royalty only you only get a fraction of it yep. as it trades hands so i don't get the full value of what that yearly membership probably would have been in a transaction
0: right it comes down to the risk and the business development and what whatever that the people are coming out that nft want to kind of shoot for right it's Yeah, absolutely. You could probably make more money if you're really, really sought after um, membership, if if you do an annual membership or something like that. But maybe somebody wants to buy something that goes into perpetuity for a long time and it might be more valuable, so they might buy more. And so then the royalties maybe kick back at you and you might make more money. It's just kind of a risk, right? Something new, something to keep things in the cutting edge kind of deal.
3: Well, and like with any membership you're. Making money on the membership, but you want somebody to spend money on your goods you're selling, right. To that membership, that's where the true value is,
0: right? Yeah, totally. And you know, and in, in that situation, I think that there was a a restaurant I don't in New York City that came out with uh, ten thousand NFTs that represented a membership to this all exclusive, amazing restaurant that had five star chefs, et cetera, et cetera. And they sold for something like ten thousand dollars. And that membership, only the people with the NFTs can get into that. That a restaurant, this restaurant's huge, it's like 10,000 square feet. But then they also then end up having to pay for every everything just like they normally would. So it's like kind of a double-edged sword there, wham, bam.
1: Yeah, that's but that's it's always, it's fascinating to me because I do think of like something like that as being a country club membership where yes, you have value as being the owner and you still get to go, but you're still paying your yearly fee. I don't know, I, I just, I see this, it's very difficult and and I'll probably have to do a little more cost benefit analysis from a, a producer side of things of, of how does this make sense financially for me to not get annual renewal or annual recurring revenue in, but instead rely on it exchanging hands or, or something like that. Because if I can only have 10,000 actual consumers and I sell it one time, I get one watt of cash, but after that, then what?
0: Totally. You know, and in that situation with their restaurant, they're going to continuously get get more revenue from the the meals they serve, and you feel pretty special going there. And who who knows what they can charge? And you know that kind of demand again, it goes to the cost cost benefit analysis kind of deal. So yeah, it, it's kind of what what's your business model?
3: Can you create an expiring NFT? You know that you know say it's been fulfilled after a year; it only lasts three, and then they have to buy another one each year, or.
0: Yeah, there's there's ways to do that for sure. Absolutely, just like any event, there's they're coming out with uh, tickets that NFTs that re- represent tickets to uh, venues such as concerts, and so it'd, it'd be the same thing there.
1: Well, I think this is really cool because there's definitely a lot of value about where this can go. I, I kind of want to get one more question on sort of the future of of what this could look like. I I have one idea. Zach and tell me if I'm right or wrong and maybe you tell me say no this is not how it's going to work this is how it's going to work the idea is that every bottle from every distillery is going to be minted and has some sort of uh, something on it is there a way that it you would be able to still go to the store and be able to pick a bottle off the shelf and as soon as uh, a register transacts something it goes into from their wallet to your wallet and now you own it and then you can trade and go back and forth? Or do you feel that it still has to live in some sort of centralized distribution system?
0: I can't look at my crystal ball and see that, to be quite <laughs> honest. Uh, I asked a tough one. <laughs> the, I, I don't know for sure because trying to sell alcohol as an individual that's not licensed, that's where that kind of comes down to even if it hasn't been opened or anything like that. I'm not selling alcohol. I'm selling an NFT. Well, you're saying if you went to the store and and bought that bottle, and then how do you get that bottle to somebody else? Right. You'd be shipping the alcohol.
1: I guess it kind of goes back to the days of people that would sell pens with tickets on eBay. Yeah. how they got around scalping. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: But yeah, you know, to be be honest, I think if this is right now, it's kind of baby steps into the cryptocurrencies and blockchain and everything. And, I see it as more of just high end collectors stuff. You know, like here at the Heart Distillery, we're only going to be doing it with our. I, I have fifth. I have let's say forty five gallons of barrel aged absinthe. I've been barrel aging for for three years, and you know that's that's going to be our first NFT uh, from the Heart Distillery specifically. I don't plan on doing my high volume bourbon or or gin that are represented as NFTs because that that does get into like the storage issue and. I don't plan on doing anything like that. And I don't, I wouldn't suggest that to any crafter. Obviously, again, I said, I want to bring the power back to the crafters and I would suggest not doing that to them. I would say, listen, why don't you come out with a hundred bottles or your barrel that you've been aging for seven years and fractionalize that barrel or something like that. So it's been a lot of education with the crafters. Uh, Right now we have about eight that are lined up and ready to go and they're excited to come out their first series. So yeah, things are just starting to heat up. I would suggest looking at other projects like uh Barrelfy. They they've come out with a uh, bourbon from the striped pig and and it's awesome, you know, and right now the NFT is being sold in on OpenSea, which is the biggest NFT marketplace, but for us we wanted to be kind of the OpenSea for liquor, essentially. So we're going to kind of attract a a niche niche audience. In OpenSea you kind of get lost.
1: Yeah. I've, I've looked on OpenSea and I don't know what I'm Googling for. I actually Googled for bourbon and I looked at all this crap. I'm like, why would anybody pay this much? I don't get it. It's like a, it's a fuzzy picture of a Jim Beam bottle. What is this stuff? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Eight pixel Jim Beam bottle. So we
0: want to bring like, we want to educate not just the collectors, but the crafters and really everybody. And that that's kind of where we're we're shooting for, you know, it's like, because this is something that will be really exciting and bring a lot of utility and value to most of the people in this industry, including the collectors uh, and and consumers. So we just want to start from a a good base and really collaborate with all the other projects that are out there too. So yeah, it's it's all really exciting.
3: I can understand and wrap my head around NFTs and bourbon. I can still can't with the JPEGs, but that's for (laughs) another conversation. (laughs) One of these days. What do you think, Kenny? We're going to do a sing- Pursuit Series single barrel NFT soon?
1: Well, we're going to do that, plus the the Pursuit Tritune Club is what it's going to be. <laughs> yeah. We're like, we can't afford the yacht, but we'll do a Tritune. We'll do the Tritune. Tritune. <laughs> hey, Tritunes aren't cheap anymore. <laughs>
3: the Pursuit houseboat, uh, Lake Cumberland, adult, uh, <laughs> something like that.
0: <laughs> yes.
3: Just imagine the NFT be Fred in an ascot or something, naked.
1: <laughs> that
0: redneck yacht. <laughs>
1: oh, man. <laughs> But this was really good. And I, I would also encourage anybody that is interested in this space just to go and learn about it. I feel that this is one of those technologies that is, it's going to be around, it's going to take a few more years to kind of kind of formalize and, and really kind of mold into what it's going to be. But this is also from anybody that's out there that is actually following close to the space, or even people that had denied crypto years ago, this is one of those things people said, this is, This is going to stay. This is not going to go anywhere. And so get familiar with the technology, kind of get familiar because it might become sort of second nature into vocabulary here in a few years. So Zach, this was fantastic to be able to give our listeners sort of an insight and also let me try and, and poke holes in some theories only because I'm genuinely curious about it.
0: I appreciate being here and uh, honestly like if, if anybody ever has any questions on anything we're 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 here reach out to us uh, go to liquidcraft.io to to check us out and reach out to me uh, i'm i'm happy to talk to anybody uh most people on my team are really excited about this whole project and they they would also talk to you anytime at all and the holes that you poke are actually perfect because that's kind of how we we've evolved the the space right is find all the holes figure out solution and move forward
1: yeah now like i said this is gonna be cool and Ryan, I think we might have to use one of our barrels as a special NFT one day. Why why the hell not, right? I mean, I, I'm all about it. I think this is
3: great. If all my money went tied up in bourbon, I'd be all being be in NFT land, dumping cash, but no, I'm hell yeah. Let's do it. I'm excited
1: about it. I think it's the future. No, it is cool. It is cool. So Zach, again, once thank you so much for, for coming on. Uh, so make sure, again, he had put out the website. You can also follow him, what, on Twitter? What other kind of social handles can people follow you on as well?
0: Yeah. So the crypto world's in Twitter and Telegram for the most part. Obviously, we're, we're starting a Facebook and uh, Instagram as well. But yeah, Twitter's a really good way to follow us and then also get your feet wet in the crypto space. Uh, that's where all the news happens.
3: Perfect. It only, took, it only took 45 minutes to convince me to get in the NFT lane. <laughs> oh, man. Did you purchase your first one? <laughs> I know. I'm Googling whatever C, C whatever, C++. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Maybe another 45 minutes we'll have this yeah. first NFT in his wallet. <laughs> I'm convinced now I need
1: execution. With
3: execution.
0: <laughs> I'm going to have to go pour myself another drink here. Hold on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: But Zach, thank you once again for coming on. It was a pleasure to, to kind of learn about this. So make sure you go learn more about liquidcraft.io, follow them, pay attention to the space. He had also mentioned a few other different projects that are out there that they're not the only one. There's a lot of people that are still exploring and trying to figure this half out. I know that he's even done some sort of Twitter spaces and some other collaborations to kind of work with all these different groups. And they're all trying to move to... A sort of homogeneous way that they're all kind of working together and there is a there's a light at the end of the tunnel for all this so i know i'm done talking now but again go check it out and follow bourbon pursuit wherever you follow these guys so twitter facebook instagram tiktok sign up for our newsletter sign up for everything bourbonpursuit.com coming soon to the blockchain coming <laughs> soon to the blockchain pursuit tritune uh but with that cheers everybody and we'll see you next week